35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleophas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. Go down a little ways. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while they talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Luke 24, 13 through 35. Thank you, Owen. You guys may be seated. So uh, we've been going through a little bit of a, a gauntlet of guest speakers, if you haven't noticed. A um, couple reasons for that is uh, I try not to lead worship and preach on the same Sunday because it's a little bit stressful for me. I'm, I'm not necessarily, you know, this comes natural. I can kind of hide behind my guitar. For somebody like Marcus, the speaking comes natural. And so, uh, you know, you, some of you guys here and, uh, and others have, have offered to help out. Uh, Jim Smith is going to help us out today by bringing the word. He's the chairman of the board at Loon Mountain Ministry. He is officially has the longest standing of any person connected to Loon Mountain Ministry because he's been the chair of the board since it started. And uh, yeah, just, just about, you could correct me if I'm wrong. But as far as I'm concerned, Jim, yeah, you were original. Um, and, uh, Jim's a a very wise, wise guy in many ways. Uh, I've really just enjoyed, uh, sitting under his wisdom uh, at board meetings and, and any, any time that that we talk. So Jim, we welcome you. Why don't you come on up? We're going on the road to Emmaus as you would have figured out from the text. And it was, it's a long text, but there's a lot there. And so uh, Drew asked me, well, can we shrink it down a little bit? So we left the middle for you to read on your own. What I like to think about is that question Jesus asked, are you a stranger or something? Don't you know what's going on? And, and so are you a stranger here this morning? How many are native New Hampshire people here? Uh, how many are native, well, Lincoln Proper. I mean, not just the town, but in the general area. See that? Oh, not not too bad. So there are a lot of strangers here. Well, I knew I was going to be overdressed, but I'm old and I'm a flatlander now. So Sharon said, oh, you should have left your tie off. So um, I will do that. (laughs) And I noticed you have these cool little hooks here. There. And I also see I'm an old guy, I have a, a Bible, but I also have, I'm a happening dude, I have all the electronics too. So, um, 
We, we like to connect with where we are and who we are. And Sharon, after our kids were grown, our, our oldest was in college, Sharon went back and finished her master's degree in teaching English as a second language. And I was a research assistant because that was in the prehistoric days. We had an Apple IIe, yes, and it had floppy disks. Anyone know what a floppy disk is anywhere? But yes, and so I was doing the, the uh, well, she did the input, but I formatted things and stuff. But I learned a lot about acculturation, reading some of her papers, and, and uh, that's what I'd like us to think about when we're thinking about this story, uh, Jesus coming on to two people. Now, I read in my commentary this week, I hadn't run into this before. There's some question, at least by a few people, because it's new to me, but it was in a commentary that I trust, the author, and some speculation that Cleopas and his wife were on the road to Emmaus. I always heard two guys, two men, and that's kind of what we assume. We don't know. But Cleopas, Cleopas is mentioned as the husband of Mary, and one of the Marys that was at the cross when Jesus was crucified. So that makes a connection there with him. Uh, and maybe it was her walking down the path, or, or maybe it was another guy heading back to Emmaus. Now, this is my kind of hike, seven miles. This Appalachian Trail thing, I don't know, I could survive that. <laughs> but uh, seven miles back to um, Emmaus. And they asked Jesus, or this man, who they didn't recognize as Jesus, well, aren't you from around here? Don't you know what just happened? Sometimes we sit in church and we don't really know what just happened. In fact, I'm going to rat out Drew, <laughs> speaking Christianese. How many got his comment, Jesus' words are in the bulletin? How many dare say they didn't quite get that? A couple. Okay. That's okay. A lot of Bibles, but not all, have Jesus' words in red letters. You can't see, but mine does. Also, I checked out my, my electronic Bible, and it's red letter there too. So a lot of Bibles have Jesus' write Jesus' words in red letters. Uh, again, not all do. And so Drew assumed you were all acculturated and knew how to speak Christianese. But aha, Drew caught you. <laughs> now, um, I grew up in New Hampshire but Sharon and I have lived in New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, South Carolina, Vermont, and Missouri. I, going to school and stuff. Uh, but New England is home. It's familiar territory. And now, how many drank tonic growing up? How many thought it was something you put in your hair growing up? Well, in New England, we drank tonic and traveling around. People would look at me strange, because sometimes it's pop, sometimes it's soda, and I don't know what else. But I finally, after years of confusing people, I, I just call it what it is. I'll have a root beer or a Pepsi or whatever. Uh, and, but we learn about people by the way they talk. Now, for some bizarre reason, people often ask me, are you Canadian? I don't say a boot and about or anything, but 
so I've lost maybe some of my New England accent traveling around too much. But uh, the, our language reflects our home origins and uh, reflects who we want to be and who we think we are in many ways. Um, find my notes here. Oh, we uh, live in now in Newburyport. Now, you might think it's Newburyport, but that's only if you're literate. If you, if you live in the area, it's Newbury, Newburyport, Amesbury. That's how we say it. And there's a frog pond in the mall in Newburyport. But if you say to Sharon as a kid, are you going to the mall? And she said, well, it's too far away up in Portsmouth or someplace. Because they say mall. If someone says the mall, you know they're local. If they say the mall, well, you just look at them funny. So, uh, and so we pick up a language and we say things like, oh, Jesus' words are in the bulletin. Because Drew is so acculturated, so used to that, it just came out. Sure. And so here are these two guys, or two people. We'll say maybe man and wife. But they're heading, <coughs> excuse me, they're heading um, back home, and the stranger comes up and says, what are you talking about? Well, don't you know? Are you a stranger here? Where are you from, anyway? Didn't you hear? And they told them the story about Jesus, a great prophet. He performed miracles, but the chief uh, priests and leaders, the, syn- the synagogue leaders, uh, temple leaders, turned him over to the Romans, and the Romans executed him. And we thought he was going to establish God's kingdom on earth, but he didn't. And so Jesus talks to them, the, the part we left out, the middle, he gives them the whole story from the prophets. Well, didn't you read the prophets? Didn't you pay attention? <laughs> didn't quite say it that way, but he might have been thinking that. And he told them, he rehearsed the prophecies about the coming of the Messiah, and that he would suffer persecution, that he would die. And they still didn't get it. I wonder how many times we don't recognize Jesus walking with us. Now, there's a couple of reasons why they didn't see Jesus or didn't recognize Jesus. One, they knew he was dead. Now, this is probably Monday from everything that I could find in in my reading it's Monday or Tuesday, but it's right after the crucifixion. And, of course, they, they are heading home, and they're discouraged. They can't believe that Jesus had died. They assumed that he was going to redeem the people and reestablish the kingdom of Israel politically and physically. It didn't happen. One commentary I read had an interesting um, premise or thought that... In fact, they are walking west, and we know that night is approaching because they're heading home, and they they eventually ask this man, who happens to be Jesus, well, why don't you spend the night here rather than continuing on your journey? And so one commentator says, well, maybe heading west, the sun was in their eyes, and so they were just kind of squinting. They didn't really look to see who this was. So we don't know exactly why. That's sort of an interesting thought. But what I liked about that, I, I read in, it actually, um, I think it was Barclay's commentary. He said something interesting about that. He said, a Christian is someone who walks not towards the sunset, but towards the sunrise. And now, did you have a sunrise service here on Easter? A lot of churches, 
most every community does, when we celebrate the fact that early in the morning, the women went to the cave and found it empty. And so walking towards the sunrise has lots of kind of uh, illusions that, one, Jesus rose from the dead early in the morning, but also the sunrise gives us hope and anticipation. It's getting dark. Sharon hates the winter. That's why we couldn't move up here. Although we, she thinks we did missionary journey, missionary work. We pastured for three years in a rustic county, right up on the Canadian border. That's as, about as far north in, in Vermont as you can get, or Maine, whatever state that is, <laughs> Maine. Uh, and, but what drives her crazy, besides the cold and the snow, I used to ski, she never did. I tried to teach her, almost pulled her arms out of her sockets. Rope toe. That's it. I, didn't, I didn't pull her arms out. The rope toe did. Um, but it gets dark early. People have um, a, a, an illness or a, um, whatever they call it, a thing from, from not having enough light. And you can get special lamps and so forth um, because it gets dark early and it's dreary. But walking towards the night isn't something we usually want to do. We, we like to walk towards the morning, towards the daybreak, towards the daylight, towards the sunrise, when things become more visible and there's a new day, new opportunity. And so Jesus walks with us and we walk to the light. We walk with the light. And so, but we don't always recognize Jesus because our minds are elsewhere. It's not where we expect to meet him. It might be on the drive to work. You know, Monday, rainy days and Mondays, do they get you down up here? And so Jesus comes to us sometimes when we least expect it, when we're not looking for him. And he, he comes to these two when they least expect it. And so they begin to warm up to him. They like what he says. They, they're trying to help him understand what happened. And he turns around and tells them, more of what happened. And so they say, are you only a visitor in Jerusalem and do not know things that have happened there in these days? And so they tell him that, you know, someone from our group, some of the women went to the tomb and found it empty. And they came back with some stories that these two may or may not have heard, but they, it didn't sink in. Grave now is empty. And so they went home. They went home unchanged. Or if anything, they went home worse for the wear because they were disappointed. What they expected God to do, he didn't do. And sometimes we're there. Take a little poetic license with Drew. He expected God to give him that house they liked so much, right? Or he at least hoped. But it didn't happen. But maybe a better place now. We'll see. And so sometimes God doesn't give us or doesn't do what we expect. And so we just go home. Jesus reminded them how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ, the Messiah, have to suffer these things, then enter his glory? Don't you remember what you learned, what you read, what you heard in the synagogues? Apparently not. They still didn't recognize him. Here he is, explaining scripture to them, and they still didn't recognize who he was. 
They didn't understand. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why it's important to read God's word. That's why it's important to study God's word in a group. We need to look at what's God's word saying to the people who first heard it. What did these two on the road to Emmaus hear? What did they understand? Not, well, this is a nice story. It makes me feel good. I'll move on. But what is God trying to say to us that is what he said to those two on the road to Emmaus? He's saying, open your eyes, walk toward the sunrise, and remember the things you've read from God's word. God's Holy Spirit will help you understand those things you've read. And pretty soon, you'll get all of Drew's jokes about Jesus' words are in the bulletin because you'll become more and more familiar with the language. Now, I grew up in New Hampshire, as I said, and so I know enough, when I go above the notches to Littleton or Lincoln or Berlin, I always explain I'm from the deep south, Southampton. And they all chuckle, but then it's okay. That may be a little bit here, but especially above the notches. They don't want you up there pretending you know them or what's going on. But it's okay if you're a visitor. And, of course, we know. Now, so you have to be careful. I have to tread lightly because some of you weasels may be from New York or Massachusetts or someplace. <laughs> Although, I married a girl from Massachusetts. It's my mission work, I guess. Uh, <laughs> But it drives us crazy when those people come from those southern states, particularly Mass and Connecticut and New York, and they try to change things. Our daughter's mother and father-in-law are from New Jersey, another state. Any New Jersey people here? Oh, well, you've been redeemed, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) And they they used to come up skiing in Vermont, and they moved to Sandwich, New Hampshire. And they, oh, this is a great town. And just like every other foreigner who moved up, after a couple of years, oh, I wish we had trash pickup. That's a big pain in the neck going to the dump. We don't have enough police in our police department. You know, they found all, all the things they left behind, suddenly they wish they had. Well, if you came to Lincoln to change Lincoln, get out of here. <laughs> right? Well, we want it to grow and be better, but we don't want it to stop being Lincoln. We don't want New Hampshire to stop being New Hampshire um, because it's what we love. And we don't want God's word to stop being God's word because God speaks through his word and if we read it and trust God and trust his Holy Spirit and the wisdom even of Drew and Marcus, you know, they pray for them. Uh, They have a lot of responsibility. They know some stuff. But like me, they don't know everything. Even the chairman of the board doesn't know everything. But we know enough to listen to God when he speaks. And so Jesus comes, they say, well, you better spend the night because it's getting dark. We don't know how safe the roads will be. and I don't know how long you have further to go. So come spend the night with us. And so he does. And he sits down with them. After all of this conversation, after explaining scripture to them, after talking to them, they knew him, but they didn't see, they didn't know him. They didn't recognize him. They should have. After all that, he sits down and 
He breaks bread with them. They have a meal. And suddenly, oy vey, it's Jesus. Now, a lot of times we think of that as, oh, he's having communion, and that's why they recognized him. Well, I don't think so. They weren't among the, the disciples at the Lord's Supper. They don't know what communion is. It hasn't been institutionalized yet. He was just in a regular house having a regular meal with some regular people. And they said, oh, now we get it. And so Jesus comes to us where we are. And you can find Jesus at the dinner table just as well as you can find him at the communion table. Happens to be communion Sunday. And so that's special. It's a time when we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus, that his blood was shed for our sins. When we, when we think about who Jesus is, what he means to us, um, our salvation, our forgiveness of sins, our walk with Jesus, we think about all those things, and we take time to thank God and make a public confession of this is our Lord, our Savior. And so, I've got to get rid of that one. See, that's why... I don't preach from my iPhone or my iPad, because I might break it. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, verse 30 says, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Wow. I don't get that. I'm not sure why that happened. But it might partly be because they finally got the message, so he moved on. But what if he disappeared? What if he hadn't come in? There's an old joke that he who waits to repent at the 11th hour often dies at 10.30. So don't wait. If Jesus is speaking to him, listen. The moral of this story, or one moral, or the one I'm going to pick for today, don't wait until the benediction or even the sermon to recognize that Jesus is here. In our midst, in the community center. It doesn't have to be a church with glorious steeples and bells that ring and organs, piped organs. Drew wouldn't like that anyway. No, see. Jesus is here. And we ought to set our internal alarm clock when we walk in the door. Well, I almost said, say, hi, Jesus. That seems a little flippant. But if if that's who you are, hi, Jesus, I'm here. Or praise the Lord. God is here. Jesus waited for their invitation. He didn't say, all right, folks, here I am. Feed me. But he waited till they said, come, eat with us. Jesus is waiting for us to invite him into our lives, into our hearts, into our situations. And so when Jesus, when they recognized who Jesus was, what did they do? They went back to Jerusalem. It's nighttime. What are they thinking? Well, they had a message to tell. Whoa, wait a minute. Now I know why that grave is empty. Christ is alive. He's risen from the dead. And they go back to Jerusalem, and they rush up to the apostles, to the women who had gone to the the grave. And guess what? Jesus is alive. And they say, duh, I thought we told you that. Weren't you listening? But they were excited. They met Jesus. They recognized Jesus. And they went out to tell other people. Now, I, can, I know why you have meals after church here. Because a lot of people rush out of church 
to get the best seats in the restaurant. Now, maybe next week, if people leave early, Drew, it's your fault <laughs> to get us. Although you have to have a reservation on Mother's Day, probably, because they're pretty busy. But when we leave church, what are we going to do? What do we now? I I started. I happened to be interim in uh, Lynn Mass for a while, and so I asked everyone to get out their cell phones. So who has a, who has a cell phone? Get it out. Uh, and if it's off, turn it on, and you can leave it muted. I forgot to do that. Oops, silence. And how many ha- have a Facebook account? How many have uh, email and know how to do group email? Oh, a couple. How many tweet, have a Twitter account? All right. Well, what I've told the folks in Lynn, and, and this is what you should do. Get out your phone, and now... Don't tell Marcus. He'll just think that you're playing a game. But Drew will know that you're going to message somebody. I'm in church. Where are you? We had this flatlander, but at least he took his tie off this morning (laughs) in church. What are you doing next Sunday at 10 o'clock? Or go onto Facebook. I I forgot you. you, I forgot the term, but you can you can say here I'm at check in. There you go. Got to ask a kid these. I'm an old guy. I know how to do it. I don't know what to call it. Well, hey, compared to me, yeah, you're a baby. <laughs> I'm a geezer, remember? <clears throat> Let's use the tools we have and, you know, take notes. So, oh, look, at Eunice sent you Facebook. Yeah, this goofy guy took his tie off and told us to let you know where we are. Check in at church. I'm at Loon Mountain Ministry. We have a great ministry. Our pastors hike in the woods while the pastor's away, the kids will play. And come on down. They left and and went back into the night, back to Jerusalem, seven miles, to say, guess what? We have seen the Lord. So hopefully, this morning, we have seen Jesus, and we're hearing from Jesus, and we're going to sup with him around the communion table. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for this account on the... We assume two men, but it might have been husband and wife, but two people on the way to Emmaus who didn't recognize Jesus until he sat down at a quiet, intimate meal with them. Help us, Lord, to recognize you wherever you meet us, because we know that you are where we are looking for you, and many times you are where we least expect you to be, but you're always with us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.